Welcome to the eighth episode of the Handmade Jewelers podcast. Today, I will be interviewing Catherine Kramer of Rosedale Fine Jewelry. Rosedale Fine Jewelry is an excellent handmade jewelry shop, and Miss Kramer has a ton of great knowledge to share with you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and learn a lot from it. Thanks. How did you get into jewelry? Um, so I started making jewelry in 2011. I was doing an internship during college and I fell in love with the process. So I decided to start taking a few wax carving classes at my local community college. Um, and from there I was hooked on wax carving. Um, and so after college, I worked briefly for a boutique called Maxfield, and I met my mentor there, Jeffrey Gold of Jana. Um, I think pretty early on in me taking classes, I realized that this was my passion. And before that, I hadn't really, there was nothing that I was sure that I wanted to do. I was kind of open to what I wanted to do. I just knew it would be like something in this fashion sphere um and when I started making jewelry it just kind of clicked for me and I knew that I had to figure out some way to do this as a career at some point so yeah a lot of people I've talked to well pretty much all people I've talked to that have done well with jewelry just it's like all they love to do it's just their number one thing you can't breathe about it yeah yeah it's pretty much like that where it's like you know, you're trying to figure out and call it what you want to do with your life. And then I made a few pieces of jewelry and realized, like, this is definitely it. And it's been it for me ever since, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. So what strategies did you employ to grow your jewelry brand through social media? Um. So in the beginning, I focused on wholesale initially. Um because I had gone to school for fashion marketing and that was kind of, you know, the old school way of doing things. Um, but then in the last few years, I started focusing on my um, online business and my Instagram. And that's when things really started to take off for me. Um, and, you know, focusing on working directly with clients and kind of building a photo diary and selling platform with my Instagram made, you know, a massive difference in me being able to finally take off. Uh-huh. So how has your design and creation process evolved as you gotten access to more materials and equipment? Um, so I still do all of the wax carving from start to finish. Um and I recently started using a manufacturer to do all of the metal work because up until a few months ago, I was doing everything myself. Um, mm -hmm. But now, basically, I, I typically find the stone first um, and sketch based off of that, especially for my bridal pieces. Um, and then I'll start playing around with the wax and kind of seeing you know, if what my idea is is actually going to translate into real life because it doesn't always work that way. Um, and I'll start 
with the wax carving and from there I just you know whittle it down and I I'll do the wax carving in two parts a lot of times and then attach it in wax um and then from there I cast it and I have my team do the you know cleaning the castings and the stone setting and um some of the polishing though for some of the one of a kinds I'm still very like have a hard time letting go. So I'll take them home and mess with them in metal before they get finished up. Yeah, that's cool. That's a very detailed process. Obviously, yeah. it turned into some awesome work though, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't think of myself as like a patient person. And <laughs> I, you know, my husband just yeah. me as a china shop and yet wax carving is like, you know, requires an insane level of patience and it can be extremely frustrating and you have to be like so incredibly careful because if you make like one small move you can destroy 12 hours of work oh god that sounds terrifying (laughs) i had to get very good at repairing wax and that has saved me a ton of time yeah so uh what kind of thought do you put into creating a consistent brand on social media um, I would say that partially it's just that I'm like a little bit obsessive about it and neurotic with the look of my like overall um brand story on my Instagram. Um and I've kind of analyzed like what types of photos people seem to like the best as well as like it's great to see a an awesome photo in your feed but if you go to my um brand page on instagram it needs to all be cohesive when you're looking at it as a whole as well um so i guess honestly i think it's mainly that i'm just very neurotic about it and like my brand identity is kind of like just how i am like as a person and creatively um So I've always found it easy to kind of stick to a brand identity there. Um, And I also love photography, and so I think that helps a lot. But, you know, taking the best photos I possibly can and creating kind of like a nice layout, and I plan all of my photos out on Planoly before um, I post them for the week so that I can kind of see how it actually looks on my profile. Wow, that's, yeah, that's a cool step. Uh, actually, I haven't heard that one yet. It helps a lot because some stuff before, and then I would hate the way that it looked next to the other photos. Um, so it really helps to kind of, like, plan out your schedule for the week. Yeah, I like that. So what advice do you have for small jewelry businesses who want to gain traction and scale through social media? I would say that, you know, The awesome thing about social media is that, you know, it's super democratic and you can, you know, reach a a large amount of people with not a ton of output. Um, And I found that for me, growing my social media using Facebook ads was a massive help and it helped drive people to my website while also growing my brand and growing my social media and, you know, using retargeting and stuff like that so that your 
targeting people who are already viewing your website and who are already following you and, you know, looking at your stuff on a regular basis, kind of being top of mind with them by using ads to keep, you know, keep your stuff popping up on their feeds. Um, that is super beneficial and it doesn't require a ton of money. It just requires a little bit of research and targeting the right people through advertising. Um, but that combined with, you know, working with jewelry bloggers and, you know, as a jeweler, you don't necessarily have to work with like the big fashion bloggers. You can work with smaller jewelry bloggers and develop relationships with them. And that can be even more beneficial ultimately than, you know, working with a big fashion blogger and much more affordable or free. So, yeah. Yeah, those relationships definitely help. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So do you put any thought into trying to create a community around your brand? Um, I'm definitely, I don't think I, I don't think about it as necessarily a strategy. Um, but I think it's more that I'm an extroverted introvert. And so I really like working with clients one-on-one and talking with clients one-on-one. Um, and so I find it easy to like develop strong relationships with, you know, my direct clients. And I think that helps to build a nice community on my Instagram because, you know, a lot of the people who are commenting on my photos and things like that are people that, you know, I've made their engagement ring or I've made, you know, a ring or a necklace for them every year for their birthday that their husbands bought them. Um, and so if that with, you know, the suppliers and the bloggers and the other people that I know, I feel like it's very organic in that, you know, I'm communicating with people who I've worked with a lot and a lot of them know each other as well. And it kind of was built organically, I guess. Um, rather than it being, you know, a true strategy. But I think that just, like, building relationships with your clients because you're, you know, involved in such a important part of their life as a jeweler because you're often doing, you know, things to celebrate milestones um, and engagement rings and stuff like that. So just, like, developing a really strong relationship with them and continuing to, you know, talk with them once the sale is done you know they don't just disappear as a client you continue the relationship with them and I think that's a nice way to build community yeah that very easy way to have really great relationships in your community if they're built like that yeah so what is something that has come unexpected from being a successful jeweler that's a good question I think that I didn't expect necessarily um how much it pressure it would be overall but also like how fulfilling it is to be able to do what you love as a career so you're kind of like constantly on this roller coaster of emotions of feeling the pressure and the stress but also feeling super grateful for the fact that you get to do this crazy thing that you know seven years ago, six years ago was just like a dream. And I didn't expect 
I mean, I, I guess I, I hoped for this, but I didn't expect any of it, you know? Yeah. So it's all kind of been an, an exciting and, you know, nerve wracking type of thing. So mm -hmm. it's just, there's so much when it's your, you know, baby and all of these pieces are like my babies. Um, you don't expect like just how much that means and how like big that feels to, you know, be able to actually do that for a long period of time. Cause you know, you get so bogged down in like the day to day of the business that sometimes you, you know, then wake up one day and realize like, wow, I've been doing this for five years and I did not expect that. Mm -hmm. So. Cool. Yeah, you can kind of get absorbed in the process. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone trying to become a better jewelry creator? Just practice, practice, practice. Um, I mean, with jewelry, I found that it just takes time and it takes, like, the experience of making mistakes, figuring out how to fix them, and then knowing for next time what not to do. It just takes you doing it a bazillion times. Um, and so rather than, you know, beating yourself up for the fact that you're not an amazing jeweler yet, I really, you know, I just focused on like being the best that I could be and honing my craft the best that I could. And as the years went on, you just, you learn how to work through issues and problems and how to, you know, correct things before they become problems. And I would say that I, I always think about it like um, competence breeds confidence. So you have, you can't be confident in your abilities as a jeweler unless you have, you know, the true like experience of time of making thousands of pieces and you just have to keep going and keep making it and you'll get better and better and it becomes easier and easier and you can foresee problems before they arise and um, you can execute things you know the way that you want to execute them rather than constantly feeling like it's not good enough mm -hmm. so I would say it's just keep making as much stuff as you possibly can yeah even if it's just wax carvings, you know, even if you don't have enough money to, you know, make them into a full piece of jewelry, like just keep carving or just keep, you know, working on your metal smithing skills in silver or something like that. Yeah. So what's the biggest thing you've learned in your journey to becoming a successful jewelry? The biggest thing I've learned probably is that I'm naturally overly critical of myself and a perfectionist and the biggest thing I had to learn was that there is you know at a point at which continuing to try and like make something perfect ends up making it less perfect and determining like where that line is um, and for me it was a lot of like having to go through personal growth of you know being the best jeweler and business owner I could be, but also, you know, remembering that I'm making handmade jewelry and it's not supposed to look like it's made on a computer and that's the beauty of it. But I think it took me a long time to really 
know, you know, where the line was to draw and how to not drive myself crazy in the quest for perfection, but also to get to a point where I felt completely confident in my abilities. Mm-hmm. That's a cool place to be, though, that you, now that you got there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I feel like any creative business is kind of a, you know, a journey of personal growth, especially as a designer, and you're pouring your heart out, you know, into your creations, and if you don't work on your own personal growth, then you aren't going to have the best body of work that you can possibly have. Mm-hmm. So... Do you have an overarching goal for your career? My overarching goal is probably, I mean, to continue growing the business. And I guess just I I would I would love to, on one hand, I would love to have, you know, a brick-and-mortar location one day, even though that's, you know, we're moving away from that in some ways. Um, but that's always something that I was interested in from before I even started making jewelry um but just building you know a long-lasting brand that has the ability and the clout to continue on for you know the rest of my career I think is honestly my main goal I just want to do what I love and be able to do it for the rest of my life and Mm -hmm. to be able to be you know successful but I don't necessarily have, like, some larger goal of, like, what I need to accomplish. Um, it's more of, you know, I want to create the best body of work that I can and be successful doing it. Yeah. So where do you draw inspiration from for your work? And would you say there's a meaning or message behind each of your pieces? There's not a meaning or message necessarily. It's more just what I'm drawn to visually. And I look at it more as, art than anything else but I often find inspiration from stones mainly the first stone that I like saw that I became obsessed with was a parcel of white kite diamonds and that inspired I mean it's kind of inspired my work for the past four or five years but that kind of like started me onto the path of being super interested in unique geometric cuts um, and being interested in doing engagement rings that were outside of the norm. Um, and from there, I feel like it just kind of, you know, evolved. And I've always found that stones are what inspire me the most. And, you know, I'll find an amazing stone and design something around that. And then that ring will, you know, give me an idea for another ring or another type of stone that I want to look for. Um, and then everything kind of snowballs from there. Um, but I definitely, in terms of like building a collection, um, I do it kind of as all source stones and then I have to design the collection as a whole. So I can't like design it piecemeal, um, when I'm doing, you know, an actual collection I have to like do it all as one and I'll use the stones that I've sourced as kind of my starting inspiration and then from there um, you know those initial designs you know give me ideas for other designs and then once I have the entire collection down and I feel like it's cohesive um, then I actually start making it. Mm-hmm. 
So did you have any experience in film or photography prior to this page, or did you just learn as you went? I just learned as I went for the most part. Um, I mean, I had taken some photography classes in, like, middle school and high school. Um, but aside from that, I didn't have much experience. Um, so I, you know, I started taking my own pictures initially with my iPhone and an all-o-clip macro lens attachment. Um, and for many years, I just took photos with that, and I finally got myself, like, a nice camera. Um, and I've just practiced and figured out kind of what what lighting situations are the best for my jewelry and what I like the best and um, what times of day that is. And, like, I only take photos on sunny days and the shade um, and, like, things like that that I just kind of had to work out um, to get the overall look I was going for. And so if it's, like, a really great day and the light's good, I'll take a ton of photos. Um, and then if the light's not good one day, I won't take any. But, yeah, I I would say I probably have 50,000 photos in my um, photo library. So I'm just constantly taking photos and, um, yeah, kind of hoarding them when I can get the best light. And that that helps me out the most of anything, I would say. Yeah. That's a lot of photos. <laughs> It's a lot of photos. I keep saying I'm like, I keep trying to delete them and I'll delete 5,000 and then, you know, suddenly Take I have 5,000 more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like never ending. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's one of the, that's like the coolest part of doing these interviews to me. It's just like, it's talking to people who are like, who just love what they do that much. It's just really cool to yeah. me. It's definitely like, Jewelry is extremely hard to photograph, but when you get, like, the good photo, like, the right photo, it's, like, incredible. So I'm always, like, searching for that great photo. Yeah, for sure. So, last question. What is your favorite thing about being a successful jeweler? Uh, my favorite thing is just getting to make jewelry every day and the fact that, you know, people like what I do and are into it and, you know, are putting their hard-earned money on something that I'm creating, I think that's, you know, my favorite part because it's just, you know, it means a lot to me that people choose me for these big moments in their life and kind of that, like, meaning and that fulfillment is, you know, the best part of it, I think, for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you must be so busy, so I really appreciate you doing this. Um, nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to the eighth episode of the Handmade Jewelers podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in, and I really hope you guys got some good knowledge and value from this episode. If you guys could leave some feedback on our social media, as at Sulis, S-U-L-I-S, displays. It would be really helpful. I'd like to cater this podcast to you guys so you get as much knowledge and value from it as possible. So the feedback would really help me do that. If you want to check out more content, um, you can definitely come check us out there. And I would definitely recommend going to check out Rosedale Fine Jewelry. That is Miss Kramer's Instagram, uh, Rosedale Fine Jewelry, all one, no spaces, no dots, no underscores on Instagram.
Thanks again for listening. Hope to see you guys next time. I like it when we talk, so tell me everything you want to